Psalms 23. Psalms 23, and as you're turning, let's bow our heads, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, bless this word. Uh, bless uh, these people, Lord. Bless our hearts, Lord. And Father, I just pray that our hearts open up and hear your word, that it will go down, root it down deep. That God, it won't go through one ear and out the other, but God, it will become part of who we are in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalms 23. You know, I um, we've been on this series, Impossible, or Possible, that with God, all things are possible. And the way the Lord's been kind of leading us in it and talking about things that really hinder us, that hinder us um, seeing God move in our lives, seeing the things of God in our life. You know, we talked about fear and uh, coming against fear and how fear can stop us. We talked about, you know, just really how to really just give our lives up to this and really start to believe for that. So, you know, today I want to really talk about some things that really kind of how, how it hinders us. But what we can do to really um, press on, press through. How many's ever heard that you quit before, right before your miracle? Ever heard that statement? And a lot of people do. We we just give up because, you know, our eyes get off on a number of different things. Now, how many of you have ever been in pain before? Ever been hurt before? Ever been in a storm? Not not a not a storm, but a storm. Things are going wrong, are going wrong around you. How many? Just raise your hand. Some of you, um, all of you, probably have been hurt. You've been hurt by people. How, many, how about this? How many have ever um, been mad at God? Okay, the rest of you are liars. You probably have. <laughs> and you're afraid that lightning is going to come down. Did you know most of the psalmists were mad at God? That they were, they felt like God, in a lot of ways, some of them felt like God had abandoned them. How many have ever felt like you've been abandoned by the Lord? And you guys know that's a lie, right? He's never abandoned. He'll never leave you or forsake you. But, uh, but a lot of times we go through those things, and, and what begins to happen, and I believe this is the enemy's plan, is when we go through these trials, these tribulations, these pains, these hurts, and we're, we're saying, God, where are you? Or, God, come on, we're, I, I need that miracle now. And um, what happens is, is that we begin to get our eyes off of the Lord and onto the situation. Remember when Peter where when Jesus was walking on water and Peter was in the boat, you know what he asked? He asked the Lord, Lord, uh, if, if it's your will, bid me to come. And, and Jesus said, yeah, of course, come. I want you to be with me. You know, I, I'm paraphrasing that. But, you know, he wanted him. He said, yeah, it's my will. So Peter gets out of the boat. He walks on the water. And, uh, but a lot of times what happens to us when there's things going wrong all around us, that we get so consumed by the circumstances. We get so consumed by the things that aren't working well. And the Bible's very clear. Tr- tr- troubles are going to come, right? So in 2017, troubles will come to you. So how do we respond to those troubles? And how do we believe God to really get us, take us through it and out of it? And into where he wants us, into the blessing, into the things of God, into the, the miracles and seeing God really, really move in our life. Because this is what begins to happen if we don't go that direction. We get focused on the problems, the issues. And we, instead of asking Jesus, can I come out to you? We're asking Jesus, come in the boat. Jesus doesn't want to get in that boat with you. He wants you to come out to where he is. Where the miracles are happening. He wants you to be like him. He wants you to enjoy what he is doing. Even in the midst of troubles and trials and tribulations and heartaches and pains and suffering. And He wants you to enjoy him in that. 
So here in Psalms 23, we learn really some really cool things here in Psalms 23. So let's read it, because this is for us today. Psalms 23, verse 1, it says, it's a Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, this is a shepherd psalm. And the placement of the psalm is pretty cool because Psalms 22, if you read Psalms 22, I encourage you to do that. It's talking about Jesus and his crucifixion and his resurrection. Psalms 23 here is really dealing with, and we'll get into a little bit more today, is dealing with the relationship that Christ has with us, his saints. And, and where he wants to take us and what he wants to do in and through us. And Psalms 24 talks about the second coming of Jesus. So, so the Psalms are laid out in a prophetic order. Psalms 22 is about Jesus, his crucifixion and resurrection. Psalms 23 is really a picture of the church age. Now the church age is what we are living in right now. So this is for us. And 24 is a picture of the second coming. So it's important to note that Psalms 23 starts out with this. The Lord is my shepherd. Did you know a lot of the great saints in the Old Testament were shepherds? And so you see you see um, Abel, who was a shepherd. He was a type of Christ. What I mean by type of Christ, maybe an example, or uh, uh, someone who was like Christ in a lot of ways. So, so Abel, he was, a, he was a shepherd. Abraham was a, another shepherd. He was a type of Christ. Isaiah, Isaac and Jacob were shepherds. Moses was a shepherd. Joseph was was a, sh- was a shepherd in times of his life. And David, of course, one of probably the great types of Christ in the Old Testament was by nature and by trade, and his upbringing was a shepherd. And so it's so important to know that. And it's really cool because in, in the Old Testament, there are seven names that are attributed to God. And it's Jehovah, and it gives another name. And it tells us about the attributes, the characteristics of God. And it's important to understand who God is and what his character is because he doesn't go beyond his character. And so we see these seven names. We see the, the name Jehovah uh, Nisi, is the Lord our banner. If you don't know what that really means, it's like when the army had a banner and people in the army would kind of come around. It brings unity, but it also brings protection. Jehovah Shema, is, is, he is present. He's, he, um, another, another word of that is like he hears. Uh, Jehovah Shalom is our peace. Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Jehovah Rapha, the one who heals thee. Jehovah Sitkanu, our righteousness. But here, Jehovah Raha, our shepherd. And so this is an attribute of who God is. And so so in order for us really to to learn about this, we got to learn about the shepherd of God. The Lord is my shepherd. And I love the wording here. It didn't say the Lord is our shepherd. It's more personal. He said the Lord is my 
shepherd. There's a big difference in that. And to know the Lord as my shepherd is huge. And if you are one of his sheep, and you are, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you are one of his sheep, you are following him. Christ said that my sheep follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. He says the Lord is my shepherd. It's a personal relationship with God. And right now, in this time, we are living in Psalms 23. It belongs to us as believers of Jesus Christ. And it's more than just a beautiful set of scriptures. David here is prophesying this. When he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I mean, we have no wants. We don't have any desires when we learn who he really is and accept him as the shepherd. Philippians 4.19 says, my God shall supply all your need according to riches and glory in Christ Jesus you know, the Heavenly Father knows our, our needs. He knows the needs of His children. You know, Jesus demonstrated that when He was on this earth. He demonstrated that when He gave His disciples, disciples needed a great catch of fish. He provided that. He fed the multitude. He turned the water into wine. He healed the sick. He met every need of man. And then John 10 says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd gives his life for his sheep. And again in verse 14, John 10, he says, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known of mine. See, a shepherd is one who watches over you. A shepherd provides for his sheep. A shepherd feeds them, protects them. He guides and corrects. And, and because Jesus is your shepherd and you realize that and you begin to know that, you shall not be in want for anything. You shall not lack wisdom. You shall not lack direction, provision, or anything. First Peter 2, 24, he says this, who, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep gone, going astray, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseers of your soul. You know, the great thing about that is, is that we had nothing to do with that. He came, the great shepherd, and brought us back. To him. So, but what we don't understand sometimes when we're believing for what's impossible for us, but it's possible for God, when we're believing for those miracles, when we're believing for things, we're praying for things that, you know, maybe God's put on our heart or that we desire and that we want to see. You're praying for, for your marriage, you're praying for your relationships, you're praying for, um, for your healing, you're praying for your finances, your job, and you're, you're doing these things. And sometimes we don't understand that that the most important thing we can do in order to see the impossible happen is really to get to know the shepherd, to know him. You know, Jesus said this in Mark, uh, Matthew 6, 33. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. It's a, it's a provision ber- verse about God providing, but it's about you and I seeking him. Seek first. And I know we know this, but do we really do this? What happens is, is that we're believing God for things and we're praying for things. But what often happens is we lose sight of the shepherd and we begin to, to focus on the things that we're praying for. So the things that we're praying for get more attention than God in our lives. But he's our shepherd. I don't have any need because he is everything. And when you get to understand that, nothing moves me because I trust in him. I remember um, a number of years ago, and I've told this story before about, you know, the doctors told Lisa and I that we, we couldn't have kids. And, and of course, we had one. 
And, uh, and so we just decided, well, if we have one, we don't need to believe the doctor. So we continued to, to believe God, you know. But it, the second one was very hard. We wanted a son. And we knew his name was going to be Josiah. And I, I remember just, we were just praying and praying and praying and praying for him. And then we, we got pregnant. But then Lisa had a miscarriage. Very devastating. I mean, I think I might have even taken it harder. I mean, it was just really hard for me. So what, we did, what did we do? We amped up our praying again. We thought, man, if I, I just pray harder, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be better. You know, it's going to pray harder. And we just weren't getting pre- pregnant. Eight years, you know, bef- before we actually ended up having Josiah. But this is what I think the turning point was for us, is when the Lord rebuked me. Have you ever been rebuked by the Lord? Yeah, you know, it's actually a good thing. It's a good thing. Especially if you listen to it. <laughs> if you don't listen to it, not so much. But anyway, so the Lord rebuked me. And I go home and I tell Lisa this rebuke. And he had done the same thing to her, rebuked her. And this is what it was. We had made having Josiah and praying for Josiah an idol in our life. Where he was more important than God. And so what we did, we laid it down. We said, God, Okay. We love, and you know our hearts. We believe what you put on our hearts was to have a son. We believe that. We knew that was it. But what we're going to do is we lay that down, and we fully trust you. Where we're not going to f- pray. We're going to we're just going to just get to know you. Two weeks later, Lisa got pregnant. Amen. See, now I can't promise you that's going to happen two weeks later. It happened to us, and. Uh, and it was wonderful. We, had a, we have a big son. He's taller than me now. He thinks he's cooler than me. He's not. <laughs> well, actually, he is cooler than me. But, but it's all about Jesus. It's not about my natural needs. It needs to become about him. And so when I really spend that time of prayer and worship and in the word, I get to know the shepherd who knows my needs, who knows my desires, and is a good father, right? He's a good father who wants, to, who wants to give you your desires of your heart as you delight yourself in him. So we forget that sometimes. So what happens is, is when we're believing for the miracles and we're believing for the, the things and when they don't come in our timing. Because you know what? When I pray... I want it. I want it. definitely want it now. But it doesn't always happen now. And so this is what begins to happen. When our eyes are on what we're praying for and not our eyes are on the shepherd and knowing him, then what happens is, is when it doesn't come in what we think is the right timing, we get discouraged. And we start moving away from really him and become start blaming the Lord. You know, you've heard me say this before. The, 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 the will of God is easy. The timing of God is hard. And so what we need to do is to spend that time in prayer and word and just worship Him and just love Him and get to know Him. And yeah, you can ask Him, but just ask Him and just give it to Him and just say, God, I want to know you. Because when we start doing that, you begin to realize, uh, my desires is all Him and through Him. And in Him I live and move and have my being. And then when we begin to do this, this is what happens. Because we begin to enter into what the things. We decide to get out of the boat and go where he is. 
then the fruit of the Spirit can operate in our lives. Galatians 22. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy. That's why you can have joy in troubled times. When things are going wrong all around you. Because your focus is on Him. It's not on God help me, which you definitely can say, but your focus becomes on Him. God, I love you. And you begin to gaze into His eyes. Just like Lisa, when Lisa and I were dating, she had no worries because she just looked into my, my blue eyes and just fell in love. <laughs> She's working in children's ministry right now. So when we begin to do that with the Lord, getting into his presence, then what comes over us is his spirit even more. Where what comes out of us is not worry and fear and depression. But what starts to come out of us because, man, you're a good shepherd. You're a good daddy. The fruit of the spirit can start operating, which is love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. You know what faithfulness is? Full of faith. Gentleness, self-control. And I love this part. Against such, there is no law. Oh, that's really good. You know what that means? That means that there can be no charge against you and there is nothing holding you back. Amen. How many of you ever felt like when you're in the storm and struggle, it seems like there's something tied around you. You just, if you've ever been depressed, it's like that, right? It's like, oh, I can't get out of that. I'm trying, I'm trying to make myself happy, you know? I'm eating this ice cream, this, all this cookies and cream. And it, it's, 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 you know, after a few scoops, it's done with. I'm still depressed. But when you look at him and you get to know the shepherd, it's a totally different thing you get into the presence of God and the presence of God there's fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore I mean you begin to get to know him God it's not about I need a new car it's not a God I need you to heal me it's it's about you you are everything you are all that I need and because of you're all I need I lack nothing because he begins He's working. You're trusting and you know it. And when we, Lisa and I began to just give Josiah to the Lord. Such a peace came over us. And when she looked to be having a miscarriage with Josiah. Some of you were in our in the youth ministry when we did that. Remember I got up, Satan, you will not steal our seed. That's what I prayed. But there was such faith and such peace and such joy I remember going to the doctor with Lisa after that, and they, they thought she miscarried, and they said, there's no baby in the sack. And I says, no, give me a nurse that say there were a baby in the sack. I said, she pregnant. Is the pregnant test right? And she said, yeah, the pregnant test is right, but we can't tell you she's pregnant. I said, what, what, the, what the crap? You know? <laughs> no, my wife is pregnant. I remember telling Lisa was kind of a little upset at me because I usually don't do this type of stuff. But basically, said, give me another nurse. I wasn't trying to be mean. I wanted a nurse that would agree with me and agree with the test. There was such a joy and such a knowing. I have no clue about medical stuff, but I knew God. 
And I knew what he said, and I was, we had such that, that joy. And see, when you begin to really know the shepherd, that's the most important thing. Listen, you can't pray hard enough to move God. It's not about that. I mean, some of you just look at, you look like you're constipated when you're praying. You think that works more. It's really just about your word works. You're God. You love me. I love you. And that's all I need. And he is working in your situation. You know what happens if we don't do that? We don't even realize how he's working. We don't even realize he's provided. I mean, I've sat down with people and talked about things and said, God never does anything. Then we begin talking. They begin to realize, well, yeah, actually, I guess he has done some things to me. You know, but we forget because we're always focusing over there. In fact, a lot of times, this is what happens. I told this about a few weeks ago. Is that we're always living in the future and hoping in the future. Where hope is now. Faith is now. God wants you to enjoy today. You need to wake up every morning and say this. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? You live now. You're missing out on the life of God and missing out on the things of God because you're always thinking, I will not be happy. I will not be complete unless that prayer is answered. And you're completely wrong. You are complete now in him. You know your shepherd, and that's number two. Remember that you're complete in him. You're complete in him. That's why Acts 17 says this. For in him we move and have our being. In him we live and move and have our being. When we do these things, we begin to learn that trust and that faith and knowing of him and we know him that becomes more important than provision it becomes more important than the healing becomes more important than any increase more important than the 1969 camaro that i want (laughs) watch it because he's important he's all that you need nothing's going to fulfill your life but him and when you realize that Then the things that you've been praying for. You know you're going to receive it. But you're not worried. You know, how can I, I, you know, get up every morning? Every morning I get up. I I sit on the side of my bed. Do this every morning. I've done this for the last five years. Expecting when I get off that bed, I'm going to walk. So I start getting up in Jesus' name. But in the last five years, I've had to grab my canes. But what keeps me going and believing? Now, I'm not perfect at it. And I have yelled at God. And I have, you know, gotten mad at God. But what keeps me going is that I continue to try to focus on Him. And so, like, like this morning, I was thinking back this morning. I got up and I did the same thing. And then I had to grab my canes again because I needed them to walk. I was still numb. But I remember, thank you, Jesus, for my healing. I, and I smiled. Because you know what? God's got this. Do- doctors can't heal me. They can just stop it from killing me. God's got this. So this is what happens. 
is that you realize who he is and you receive that fruit of that spirit of his. That joy, that peace, that long-suffering. Amen? Faithfulness, self-control. I've looked back in my life, and you probably can do the same with yours, is that when I haven't done that, when I haven't focused on the shepherd and got to know him and realize that I'm complete in him, when I haven't done those things, I, I get erratic in my, my relationship. I get erratic in my thoughts and erratic in, my, um, in what I do. And I go from this place to this place, and I'll Google whatever can make me feel better. See, this is the thing. When your eyes are not completely on him, your eyes on the things that you're praying for, and you don't feel like you'll have completeness or wholeness until you get those things that are com- complaining for, you will not seek after God. You will seek after them, and your doctrine will change depending on what you're praying for. And you can't do that. Know him. He's the shepherd. He will lead and guide you. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 says this. It says, for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you, you, everybody say me, have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. And in him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And when, verse 13, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he had made a public spectacle of them, triumphing, triumphing over them by the cross. I love that. In him we have his, his fullness, and we have his fullness right now. You and I are complete in him. And the only way we realize that is by knowing the, the Savior, knowing the shepherd, and walking like he's walked, talking like he talks, and living, and just trusting that he is leading us to that place of victory. He is leading us to the place where we're, we're going to see what he desires in our life, what his word says. And then, number three, I can trust in his word. And when you've allowed the Lord to become your shepherd, and you're complete in him, You trust his word. That's how Peter could get out of the boat when Jesus says, come and walk on water. Paul talks about Abraham. Now listen to this in Romans chapter 4. He says, he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. And he promised him a son at an old age. His wife was barren. Romans 4.18 says, And hope he believed against hope. That is, he, he has faith in the future of the grace of God's promise. Verse 19, He did not weaken in faith, but he can, when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the bareness of Sarah's womb, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong 
in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. See, the faith of Abraham was a faith in the promise of God to make him the father of many nations. And he believed that. He's fully convinced. How was he fully convinced? I'm going to show you that. James chapter 2. Verse 23 says, And the scripture was fulfilled that saying, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. He knew the shepherd. He was a friend with the shepherd. So how could he believe that? Because he knew the Lord. How was he fully convinced? You know what it means when you're fully convinced? You're not wavering. You just know. You're fully convinced. You know that it's going to happen. No matter what. Because he was a friend. I don't know about you. Friendships take work. Right? I have to talk to my friend. I have to hang out with my friends. My friends have to hang out with me. We have to hang out together. We have to talk serious talks. We have to, to give you know, conversation. We have to have fun together. Amen? And that's our God. I want to have that relationship and know that. And see, that's what the Lord wants of us. To know the shepherd. To know that we're complete in him. And to trust in his word. Amen? And when we do that, we're going to see some awesome things. Amen? Let me give you some practical things that I want you to do. Okay? Because I want you to get into knowing the Lord. And, and as, you know, if you haven't been here through all the services, I want you to go back through our, and go online and, and get our, our services and listen to the past five weeks. But I want you to begin to, to really get to know him. Just know, know the Father. And what, this is what's going to happen. This is how the Lord's going to lead you into this. Because instead of just going to him and throwing out these prayers, these frantic, hurried up prayers of God, help me. God, I need this. I want you to just go to him and get to know him. Worship him. Pray and just thank the Lord and just give him honor and glory and just focus. Read his word. In fact, read his word to him. Say, God, I agree with your word. Your word is good. Show me some things. Allow him to speak to you. And this, is, this is what happens to me. And these are the practical things that God has me do about the things I need to pray for. Okay? Because what did Jesus do? He didn't do anything unless he saw the Father or heard the Father do it. Right? That's how we should live. Right? In everything. So my heart is, God, I don't really want to pray for anything unless you want me to pray for it. I'm going to be led by you. And so this is what the Lord's going to do. So you need to have a pen and paper with you at all times. This is what's going to happen. He's going to have you write down the vision. He's going to have you write down what he says. Write it down. Lisa and I, we do, we have a vision board. It's actually actually a board. It's like a, it's about like a big old picture frame. And, and what the Lord has led us to believe him for. Because when you made Jesus the Lord of your life, he became the Lord of everything. So I don't tell God what to do anymore. It didn't work anyway. It's like telling my wife what to do. It doesn't work anyway. So she tells me what to do. That usually works. But anyway, that's another story. 
So he begins to talk to me about what I need to pray for for myself. So we, we have this vision board, and every time the Lord just reveals something that we need to pray about, we put it on this board, okay? So we put a picture, just write it down. So on that board, if you come into my, my, my room in my house, my bedroom, it's, it's right up on, there, on the wall there. And part of it says, my, talks about my healing. Other things, it talks about other things that we're believing God, believing God for our kids. And, but it's all about being led by the shepherd. Remember what the shepherd does. He leads. And so I begin to write down those things because that's very important because it's actually through him that I'm, I'm, I'm praying for. It's not I'm praying and giving it to him. It's like this is what God wanted me to pray for. This is his word. It's like bid me to come. Yeah, come up, Sean. Here, this is what I want you to pray for. And so this is what I have in front of me. Every time we, we, I go out of my room, I look at that board, and, and we are believing God for those things because that's what he says, but we're praising him for it because we've already asked. It's actually him. And I just say, God, thank you for that. And we write it down because if you don't write it down, your eyes will get off the prize. So I go by and I thank God, and God, you got this. Thank you, Lord. I'm just, I'm just excited because I love it when we take things down. Oh. God, you did that. Thank you. Thank you. And we do that. I love that. And then we wait and trust because it will surely come. Habakkuk chapter 2 talks about that. He says, write the revelation down. Make it plain upon tablets so a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits for a point of time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay there's an appointed time. And it's going to happen. Amen? For Abraham, there was an appointed time. For you, there's an appointed time. So it's going to happen. So you just believe and you wait and you trust in him. And then number three, you praise him for it. So every time I go by that vision board, I'm, I'm just thanking God. Thank you for those things, Lord, in Jesus' name. I bless you, God. You're my shepherd. I trust you. God, I thank you for it. I don't have any worry about it. I know it's going to happen because I've seen it before. There's a guy by the name Brian Johnson. He writes a lot of worship songs. He said this. I saw this, uh, this last week. He says, when we worship, we pull armies uh, from another realm into the battle. Isn't that good? When we worship, we pull armies from another realm into the battle. Amen. So I just begin to worship him and thank him for it. And I know his angels are going forth and doing what they are called to do. And then number four, this is what I do. I surround myself with people who will hook up with my faith. Who will believe with me. Who will keep me accountable. That's why small groups are so important. That you hook up with people that will help you believe and help you stay strong because I'm not perfect. And there's times I get off on and I can get depressed or I can get worried. I can get and I need I need somebody to, to slap me in the back of the head and say, stop it. And you give them permission to do that. Now, I give none of you permission to do that as I'm walking out today. But because some of you just want to do that anyway. And so. But I, we have people around us that hooks up their faith with our faith. And God works. So as you 
know the shepherd, as you find out you're complete in him, I, he's my shepherd, I shall not want. I have no wants. And you trust in his word, he's going to give you vision. He's going to give you the things that he wants you to pray for. And I tell you what, you're going to see there's more power in your prayers when you pray those things. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down. Doesn't that sound good? Some of you guys are ready for a nap. He lays, makes me lie down in green. This is great, great time. Go outside and lay down on the ground. Green pastures. He lay, leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Remember, it's just a shadow. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff beat me. No, no. They comfort me. Because you prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Isn't that great? You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You guys ready for that? That's where we're going to see even more than possible. We're not going to quit because our eyes are on him. We're not going to give up. We're not going to lose our joy. We're not going to, we're not going to step out of faith into doubt. We're going to be in faith and love God and love others. And we're going to continue and believe no matter what. Amen? Bow your heads, close your eyes.